My name is Jim Fleming, and this is Our Sunday School. Our Sunday School is part of Stewart Heights Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. To prepare for this lesson, please go to OurSundaySchool.com for a copy of today's handout. Now, let's get to this week's lesson. Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Our Sunday School. Glad you guys are with us today. Uh, we're in Philippians chapter 4, so if you've got your Bibles, uh, we'll start there. But we'll be all over Philippians today. So, uh, yeah, let's read through Philippians chapter 4, uh, and then we will... I'll, I actually have a little bit... Uh, imagine this. Got a little bit to say before we do our group homework, uh, but I don't think it will take very long at all. So let's look at uh, Philippians chapter 4. I'll start in verse 2 and read to the end of verse, uh, into chapter 4. I urge Euodia and I urge Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I also ask you, true partner, to help these women who have contended for the gospel at my side, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence and if there is anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. Do what you have learned and received and heard from me and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly because, once again, you renewed your care for me. You were, in fact, concerned about me, but lacked the opportunity to show it. I don't say this out of need, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself. I know how to make do with little, and I know how to make do with a lot. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content, whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need. I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me. Still... You did well by partnering with me in my hardship. And you Philippians know that in the early days of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you alone. For even in Thessalonica, you sent gifts for my needs several times. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the profit that is increasing to your account. But I have received everything in full, and I have an abundance. I am fully supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you provided a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me send you greetings. All the saints send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. So today we're looking at verse 9 uh, of chapter 4. We're on what page, Dave? Uh, we're on, I'm looking, 102 in your green books. Uh, in the, uh, you want to go ahead and go to the next slide? Uh, sorry, that was your cue. <laughs> uh, so we're in the part 2 book. And how many, of you, how many of you rustled around and found the part 1 book this week? You know, like, to go find, yeah, good, all right, cool. I'm glad it exists somewhere, that's great. Uh, so verse 9 there, starting at the bottom of page 102. We start with the English word, uh, 
hutas, or it's the Greek word hutas. Uh, so it's the, it's the which or this. It says it's a reference back to what he has just talked about. And then the Greek word um, proso, this is do. Uh, if you look at the top of page 103, this is a really interesting word to be, uh, uh, to be in this particular morphological form because the word itself means to practice or perform repeatedly or habitually. So like that's the definition is to do this over and over and over and over. And it's in a present active imperative, which is a command to do repeatedly. So this is, I don't know how to say this grammatically, but it's like stacked repetition, both in the definition and in the form. So I'm not sure how you could say, do this a bunch, any clearer in Greek than what Paul is saying here. Like this is definition and analysis, like this is all in. So keep doing, and is this, is this written to individuals or is this written to the group? To the group. How do we know that, Zeke? It's plural. That's exactly right. So as a group, you guys collectively do what? All right. Well, what you have learned. And this is a, a plural indicative. So this is the, what you have group learned. And this just means to learn. Um, and uh, if you've learned something, it implies what? Not getting complicated here. If you've learned something, it's implied that somebody did what to you to help you learn? Taught you. Yes. All right. Great. So, so the implication here, and this is a good implication because this is one of the few non-insulting implications, uh, is that Christians can be taught. So there's an application for us at the bottom of page 103 is that Christians can be taught. So like, yay. Because you know, the analogies that are used for us sometimes in the Bible do not play up uh, intellectualism. Uh, we're referred to as sheep. You ever been around sheep? Sheep are like the dumbest animals in the world. Uh, there's this beautiful meme going around right now of the sheep that gets in the ditch and it jumps out of the ditch and they spend all this time getting the sheep out of the ditch and then what does it immediately do? It jumps back in the ditch. You're like, why did it do that? Because it's an idiot. <laughs> That's why I did that, right? So, like, what do, we, what do we do with that? Well, maybe we should be teachable. So there's your first personalization on the bottom page 103. So if Christians can be taught, let's be teachable. Let's be looking for things to learn. So he says, repeatedly do what you have learned and received. So if you have received something, that means somebody did what? They gave you something. That's exactly right. So they were given things. So Christians can be given which is good. These are like super easy, basic principles here. Application number two, Christians can be given. So what do we do with that? Be receiving. Be looking for things to receive that align with things that have been taught. Right? I mean, this is, this is good. Right? So it's not just one mechanism whereby we get information. So we can be taught and we can be given. Yes, ma'am. Uh, right. And where would Paul have already addressed this in this verse? R right. But where would Paul have already addressed this in this verse that we've already talked about this morning? Uh, the first word, hutas, right? This. Like what I just talked about, this, do. So what did he just talk about? We just talked about thinking about what is 
true and honorable and just and pure and lovely, commendable, moral excellence, anything praiseworthy. So he's already defined the boundaries of the, what the do is re- referencing, which I think is really, really helpful. So Christians can be taught, so be teachable. Christians can be given, so be receiving. So do what you have learned and received, and let's go to page 104, and heard. So this is just super basic, super basic Greek word for hear. So if you heard something, that implies what? You were, you were told. That's exactly right. It implies you were told, and it implies you were listening, which is good. So I would say that the application in here is Christians can be told. It's like, this is good. I, I love the fact that Paul's uh, funnel for ways to take in good, good things is wide. He's like, be, like, be on the alert. Like, you can be teachable. You can be given. You can be hearing. It's like, this is really good. Are we using, do you see how many of the senses that we're engaging with here? This is not just a, like, well, it's only for readers. Well, not really, exactly. Now, the next two English words in the CSB are what words? So, what you have heard. You see any brackets there? There's actually not any brackets. There's no from me there. And I'm not entirely sure why it's added. Um, But it's not really there. So not 100% sure we should lean too far into that one. But he's not done. And seen. So if if they saw something, that implies what? They were, they were looking, right? They were seeing. But that implies they were shown something to see. Like there was somebody who was exhibiting, that was showing uh, what was going on. So Christians can be told, Christians can be shown. So be hearing, be seeing. These are good things. And remember, this is coming right on the heels of Yodia and Syntyche getting after it. And they're in an argument. And Paul tells them to agree in the Lord. And immediately thereafter, there's rejoicing. And then, oh, let's, let's fix our minds on these types of things. And oh, by the way, there's a great big funnel that you should have when engaging with each other on all the different ways that you can engage with what is good and how to receive this information. Does this make sense? This is not some, like, well, there's this one tiny little slice of things that you can, like, no, no, no not exactly. And I, I will tell you this, the... Learning is plural, the receiving is plural, the hearing is plural, and the seeing is plural. These are all group, collaborative components. Now, now we get to the part, I think, that is very personal for Paul, that you have heard uh, and seen, and then we get to the in me. Like, all right, right, okay, good, good, good. So this is personal. Now, this is interesting, too, because who's this letter from? Back in Philippians 1.1, who's it, who's it from? Who's the letter from? Paul? Oh, foolish Galatians, how quickly you forget. Paul? And Timothy? Yes, and Timothy? That's right. And I, I feel just a little bit here for Timothy because <laughs> he doesn't say what you've seen in us. He says what you see in me. Uh, and I think... 
I don't know why he says the singular here, but it's distinctly singular, and it's a first-person singular. It's well translated in me. Um, it might be perhaps because Paul leaned very individually into chapter 3 and 4 with personal experiences and engagements, uh, but he's explicitly saying what you've seen in me. And I would argue, so I'm going to circle back now, um, Sometimes when I pause long enough, somebody will look at me. I'm going to circle back now because he's, he's going to put another uh, filter on what it is he's referring to. So I would argue that the application here is that the teacher, giver, teller, shower matters. The teacher, giver, teller, shower. It's not just anybody that we're looking at and for. The teacher, giver, teller, shower. You like that word? I have slashes between all the words. I don't know how you want to do it, but yes, sir. So, would the Philippians have had? Oh, good, good, good. Yes, yes. Come on. Would they have had a prior knowledge of Timothy? Uh, I don't. They would have known Paul from where? Oh, this was helpful. Awesome. So, how do we know they knew Paul? Is there a story in the Bible somewhere where Paul engages with the Philippians? Acts chapter 16, sure, right? So go to Acts chapter 16 in your Bibles real quick. So Acts chapter 16, verse 11. From Troas, we set out and put seed and sailed straight for uh, Samothrace, the next day to Neapolis, and went from there to Philippi. Go back to verse 11. From Troas, we, who's the we? Go back up to verse 1 of chapter 16. Paul went into Derby and to Lystra, and there was a disciple named Timothy. So, yes. I appreciate the love. I appreciate the love. Uh, now, what, so I don't want to, I don't want to, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'll use my Brian line here, right? Paul didn't say, don't do what you see in Timothy, right? So there's big gap between, like, do what you've seen and heard and received and, uh, I'm skipping one, learned uh, from me, and, like, but not everybody else. He didn't say, he's just leaning particularly into this. So the teacher, giver, teller, shower matters. Um, so I would say, I love that you just got ahead of where I was going. Can you read my chicken scratch right there? Be selective. And Maybe careful. careful. Yes, be selective and careful. Be selective and careful. He didn't say in anybody at all time, no matter what, right? So the teacher, giver, teller, shower matters, so be selective, and, but be selective and careful about who we are going to model and do these things after. And then, and, because <laughs> they didn't just, obedience doesn't just stand alone. And the God of peace, and this, is, this word peace harkens back to the introduction when uh, Paul says to Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace 
from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And the God of peace will be with you. Because when you have a group of believers who are collectively doing things that are aligned with Scripture, is that going to be a more peaceful place? Yes. Will the presence of God be apparent? Yes. Cool. Now, what he didn't say was, uh, the only time God is with you is when you're all getting along. <laughs> like, boy, that's terrible news. <laughs> like, that's, that's really bad news. <laughs> but there is a special sense of presence in our doing. So at my application in the bottom of page 105 is God is present in our doing. God is present in our doing. So what do we do with that? Do. Do what we've been taught, given, told, and shown. That's, that's good and right and healthy for us. So then my question that led to your homework. So God is present in our doings to so do what we have been taught, given, told, and shown. My question that is your homework today is... I know it was a long application. I, I time, that was not well done for a ease of use for you clicking the button. So my apologies there. There you go. So where in Philippians did Paul tell, did Paul model what he expected from the Philippians? And I, I told you that I thought one way to at least get started answering this question was to look for the imperatives. So my question is, did anybody look up the imperatives? Yeah, cool. How did you do that? Because I, I, want to, I want to ask you a simple question and show you perhaps a faster way to do it. But how did you look up the imperatives? So did anybody go and you, you found like your first book that has that awful, terrible white border around it? It just drives me nuts every time I look at it. Uh, did you go and you, you turn the pages and look for the words imperatives? Anybody do this? Anybody do this? Yes? No? No? I got Two hands, thank you very much. Julie's not holding her hand up, but this is what Julie did, yeah. Did, how, how, did, how did somebody else do this? Google search, Google search imperatives, all right, cool. Uh, what I would argue would be the fastest way to do this is go to OurSundaySchool.com, click on the link for this, open up the PDF, and then search on the word imperative. Yes, thank you very much. That's awesome, congratulations. So that's what I did too. Uh, that is probably true, yes. That sounds about right. Um, so the pages that I am handing out right now are the list of all the imperatives in Philippians. And I have highlighted these. Uh, and for those of you online, this is for reference. Yep. Yeah, not on an iPad. Yeah, sorry. There you go. All right, let's go to the next tab, if you would. So one way to look at this is to where the imperatives are. And I, I want to show you a couple of things, because that some of the verses have more than one imperative in them, because in normal conversation, we tend to like group commands together, like do this and this and this. 
right? This is just normal speech pattern. So I, I love that the Spirit communicates this way too. Um, but do you see that there are, like, there, there's almost no imperatives in chapter 1. Does this make sense? Because he's laying the foundation of what is true in the context of what is going on. And then he begins to lean into dropping these imperatives in and dropping these imperatives in. And really, not a ton in chapter 3 other than in verses 1 and 2. But when we get to chapter 4, like, almost half the imperatives in the book are in chapter 4. Because... He's done all the teaching. Now it's time to be clear about what we're going to go do with all of that. And this structure is actually really similar to how most sermons are preached. Most sermons are, let's lay the foundation, let's communicate what needs to be taught, and then now, all right, so what, what is the charge to the congregation to go and do? That's not just something that most preachers came up with on their own. That structure comes from looking at the structure of the New Testament epistles and saying, oh, well, most of the imperatives come at the end. So even that's by design, which I think is kind of cool. So my question then is, uh, do you see Paul modeling this anywhere in Philippians? Pick an imperative, any imperative. <laughs> do you see Paul modeling any of this anywhere in uh, Philippians, in the epistle to the Philippians? So I'm going to shut up now. Dave, come on. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, I went with 127. Um, All right, cool. What's 127 say? It says, just one thing, as citizens of heaven, live your life worthy of the gospel of Christ. Yes. Uh, and the word live is the imperative. Yes. And whether I come <clears throat> to you or I am absent, I will hear about you that you are standing firm in one spirit and one accord, contending together for the faith of the gospel. And I kind of went with it because it was the first imperative. Yep. was at the end of the first, uh, first chapter, so it's the end of, at the end of the setup, so I thought there might be some weight to the first thing he says uh, or commands him to do. Or Good. So cool. So where does Paul model that for the Philippians? Um, in jail. <laughs> <laughs> he does. I, I would argue this is one of those where they actually, some of them, saw it. Right? So of the, the four different types, you hear, you see, you learn, you receive, like some of them saw this. And I think they were also participatory in it because of their continued support of him. Yep. So that he could continue to show the living. Yep. Yep. Good, good, cool. Somebody else? Where do you see Paul modeling what he commanded? Any verse that says rejoice. You're like, because what were they doing in prison? Rejoicing. rejoicing. They were singing. Like, what? Like, in, in what universe does singing in jail make any sense apart from unity with Christ? Like, that, that makes no sense whatsoever. Yeah, it's not what we think is like, that's going to be the first thing that pops in my head. It's like, no. Because yeah. Paul's circumstance didn't change his relationship to our Lord Jesus Christ. The gospel's still true. It's good. Cool. What else? Yes, ma'am. I said on, uh, back on verse 127. 
wait, there's more than one place where Paul might have modeled this? Uh, yes! Thank you. Uh, yes. That's exactly right. He's praying for them in 1-4. That's right. Good. Yes, yes, 1-9, an extension of that with knowledge and discernment, the prayer there, yes. 2-5. Two 2-5. Five. Two five. Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus. Yes. And he, he tried his best to, to do that, demonstrated by, by working with these two women disagreeing. Yes. That's good, yes, I like that. So the attitude of Christ Jesus was when he was wronged, he struck back with all of his miraculous power and smote those around him, right? Like, no. So we, and Paul, when he is wronged for preaching the gospel and is chained to prisoners, does he strike back against those prisoners? No. What does he do? He shares the gospel with them. He's like, I got an opportunity to evangelize the whole Roman Praetorian Guard. Ha <laughs> ha. It's amazing. And it's exactly right. And he, he gives thanks. It's just, it's incredible. Right. That's good. Yes, ma'am. Which one? 2-5. Two five. Adopt, yep. They beat you to it, Zeke. Sorry. Yes. I, I don't know if you guys noticed, but I bounded the question and restricted it just to the epistle of, uh, to the Philippians <clears throat> so that we might have a reasonable chance of <laughs> containing the, the discussion in some way. Because if you, if you open this up to the entire New Testament, it's, whoa, okay, that's amazing, that's awesome. And people who do studies on like the life of Paul, that's what they do. They look at, well, what did he teach? Did his words and actions align with what he taught? Like, well, you do. Well, we, we tend to respect people whose words and actions align with what they teach. That good. Cool. Yes, ma'am? Uh, 3.17, yes. 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 Yes, yes. That's good stuff right there. So Paul's joining was actually a reflection of Jesus and his actions, and Paul was paying attention to what was occurring. He was paying attention to what he heard and what he saw in the congregation so that he could then engage in address. That is beautiful. Wait, so you're saying that our righteous actions are merely a reflection of our Lord Jesus Christ's righteous actions. Yeah. I was hoping we w I would not have to interject that into this conversation. I am so thrilled that you brought that up. So thrilled. Yes, ma'am. 
not just a reflection of, our action, of his actions, but his attitudes, yes? Yes. That's beautiful. That is beautiful. I, didn't, I don't know that I saw the, his command to be gracious, to let your graciousness be unto everyone, is reflected in the way that he engaged Yodia and Syntyche, which is a reflection of the way Jesus engaged. Right? I mean, you're the Holy One, and you're engaging with all these sinners, and everybody around you is broken and sinful, and you are not. Imagine how exhausting that might have been, right? Just, and, and yet he was gracious and amazing. I love it. Yes, I love that. What else? In that same verse on 317, I thought that chapter 1, verse 14 uh, showed that they, uh, the Philippians joined him because, uh, and others joined him and were paying attention because it said the brothers gained That's good. 114 is an example of 317. That's good. I love your specific references, too. That is very helpful. I appreciate that. Yes, yes. That's why I commended it. <laughs> do, do you guys see that we could do this for a couple of months? I think we could probably do it for a month in Philippians. And we could do it for probably two or three years in the New Testament. And that's ignoring the extra-biblical writings that we have about the people who knew somebody who knew somebody who knew somebody who knew these people. And, I mean, it's just... And this is good. Because what I'm trying to do with this question is lean into, do you see how much is available for us to go see and hear and learn from and receive? It's not just... Like these tiny little, well, well there's, there was two seconds today that I could have learned from. Uh, probably more. Probably more. Yes, ma'am. These are people's whole lives, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I would argue what's crazy is that we, we have, crazy is probably a wrong way to describe the scripture. Um, sorry about that. Uh, what is amazing is that we just have these tiny little snippets of Paul's life here and there and there, and yet we can see this many obvious examples of what's going on. So, yeah. Cool. What else? Yes. 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 One seven is an example of two two. Yes. And then uh, one twelve that his gospel was advanced through that, that God's gospel was advanced through the, his imprisonment. And um, I don't know. I might be wrong on this one, but two seventeen talks about that he could go on to heaven, but. Stay there to uh, 
That's a lot of love right there, right? That's a lot of love, yeah. To be willing to delay being with Christ to serve the brothers and sisters. Um, yeah, that's a lot of love. Good, good, good. What else? Yes, sir. Uh, to, who live according to the example you have in you have in you have in us so he's including like Timothy's there right there like he shows up every once in a while he's just not in every single one so yeah <laughs> yeah There's an expectation in Christian leadership to right. be somebody who can be followed. Yes. And after watching television this morning, I, I sometimes I just don't see it. <laughs> <laughs> what? That, that weight isn't there. I wouldn't argue that TV is going to be our. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What else? Thesa, did you do your homework? You did? I haven't heard from you yet. Uh, how about 214? 2.14. Oh. In my head, I did not think anybody would pull on this thread. So, cool. Good. Yeah, I'm excited. I, Isn't that beautiful? Yeah, so... That's good, yeah. That's good. In uh, in most intellect, I'm going to piggyback off what Dave just said a second ago. In most intellectual arguments, arguments from silence 
are considered very, very weak. Like, well, we don't have any evidence that supports this view, so that's probably a weak argument. This one is very, very strong. Because the only, like, one of the only ways you're going to prove somebody's not mumbling and complaining is you don't see them mumbling and complaining, right? And we just don't see this anywhere. And that's truly evidence of, here we go. I'm going to try to wrap all the Philippian theology into one sentence here. This is truly evidence of a joyful life that is a result of the unity of a group of believers in the, and around the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what this looks like lived out. And I, it's just beautiful. It's just absolutely beautiful. That's living your life worthy of the gospel. That's exactly right. Yes, 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 yes. Ha ha. All right, so I'm going to step back for just a second. That wasn't so bad, right? <laughs> that was okay? Yeah, all right. We may end up doing more of this in the future, so just going to put our toe in the water. Also, that's what... That's what work feels like. <laughs> like, yes, this is good. This is good. All right, so uh, that'll wrap us up for today. Uh, next week, Lord willing, we will start on page 106. I didn't print that one off. On page 106, uh, which is a new pericope, uh, appreciation of support. So we're going to get, you know, if, if the CSB called uh, verses 2 through 9 practical counsel, which is this super generic, vague, broad phrase. Uh, appreciation of support is the understatement of the whole letter because this is one of Paul's primary purposes in writing Philippians is to communicate how greatly he values their support. Um, and this is important. So we'll start next week, Lord willing, with verse 10. Uh, and we may get through like quite a few verses here. And we may not. We'll see. You have to come back and find out. All right, so you should have your weekly update on your table. Uh, if you would, lean in, engage, pray for some prayer requests there. Uh, take a minute and update as many of these as you can if you own some of these. We'd love to get some updates. And uh, once you've finished praying, you are free to go and to worship this one. who Even Paul's life is just a reflection of how amazing our Lord Jesus Christ's life was. So, thanks, guys. Thanks for engaging. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, YouTube channel, and weekly email. You can subscribe to all three of those at OurSundaySchool.com. Grace and peace to you.